at this time on Thursdays, we meet with John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. He is here today. And of course, we couldn't talk last week, John, because you were at the funeral for two officers who were killed, just the latest in a series of officers who have been killed very publicly. And um, you just also finished up the Big Ten, which is a big conference of all the largest police associations across the Canada, the country. And, and this was a very big topic, uh, officers who seemingly are under assault uh, these days. Hey, good morning, Alex, and thank you for having me. Yes, yeah, we just uh, wrapped up our Big Ten conference here in Toronto, um, and that involved uh, about 17 of the larger police associations across Canada. And this mm -hmm. is at the forefront. Uh, this has really kind of changed some of our priorities from the point of view of um, looking out for our members, uh, both here in Toronto, Ontario, and across Canada. Yeah, I mean... Um to have three officers, you know, two being buried and then one another one being stabbed to death, an RCMP officer in in Vancouver, in Burnaby, uh, no, BC, um, in that close of a frame. And then, of course, we had uh, Constable Hong, who was assassinated. I mean, it's just it's like we've never, I don't think, seen this kind of spate of violence against frontline officers. What has the feedback been? I mean, if, if it's in the policing community, which, which doesn't surprise me that this is top of mind, what are you hearing from the decision makers? Uh, so I'll be honest, we haven't really heard um, a lot of feedback. Uh, obviously, you know, we've got a lot of support from, um, from our provincial counterparts, uh, from the city counterparts. But I think mm -hmm. we really do need to start looking at the federal level. We need to look at what's going on with the firearms. Uh, I know we had recently had the gun ban here uh, in Canada. Mm -hmm. What's being done about the, um, you know, the 86% of these crime guns here in Ontario and Toronto, they're actually brought in from the U.S., that's really where we need to make some uh, some uh, move on and move forward with that, because that is where we need to uh, put a lot of more time and effort and money into, quite honestly. Well, I mean, to your point, that silly handgun ban came in on Friday, got a lot of attention in, in headlines. And then all you need to do is watch the news across uh, Toronto and the GTHA. And there was shooting after shooting after shooting. It was like I couldn't keep up, of course, because it's just this this rotating, uh, you know, shooting because clearly the handgun owners that they're going after are not the ones on the street causing all the carnage. Absolutely. And I think, you know, obviously the, uh, the criminals who have all these guns didn't get the message, you know, which is Apparently, uh, yeah. not, surprising, not surprising to any police officer here in Toronto. And I think more recently you have to start looking at the uh, collateral damage. You know, we had an incident there with gun and gang task force. They went to an arrest uh, an individual who took, uh, you know, no concern about firing at police officers and then proceeded to firing wildly from his house. And once again, that forced, uh, you know, the residents in the immediate area into their basements for fear of being struck by, by rounds. Um, you know, we have no one now, down. Which shooting is that? I'm trying to figure out which shooting. I mean, we had a, a, a particular incident uh, about a week and a half ago where police were attending to Scarborough where they had like a two-hour standoff with a guy who was armed, wanted, of course, because he's on the run. Um, they didn't shoot anything, John, of course, because they can't shoot anything. But they, they were shot at uh, numerous times by the thug inside that everyone knew was armed and dangerous. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And yeah. our officers, you know, they're well-trained, well-prepared. But this individual did not care, right? He's firing yeah. wildly out of the house, into a house next door. And I, if I recall from the media uh, reports, around 11 rounds uh, hit some uh, some of the neighbors' homes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this big concern for me are these stray rounds now. You know, we have these uh, criminals firing these firearms off in congruent settings. You know, it's only a matter of time, unfortunately, till we get some poor civilian ends up being struck by yeah. one of these rounds.
Well, we've already had that. I mean, let's be honest. We've had stories where kids' bedrooms get struck or a child gets hit while they're sleeping. So those stories are out there, and I'll talk about one in a moment. But I did want to ask you, um, my first thought was, okay, so the police didn't shoot back. I know they're highly trained, and they don't go out of their way to shoot people. But is that... Are they leaning against the defund crowd? Are they more nervous now to take out their weapons when they actually have a, a, a reason to do so because they're so scared of the blowback that they'll face? No, I don't believe that at all. Our, our people are well-trained. Um, they go out there to do the job each and every day. Uh, you know, for our officers to go out, if they have to discharge their firearm, they'll be discharging it at immediate threat to themselves or a member of the public. Um, mm. My understanding was that in that particular incident was a very dynamic one. Um, mm-hmm. So our officers are trained, as I said, they're not going to be firing off um, haphazardly. That just does not happen. Yeah, no, but that was a long time. They were putting out alerts constantly in that neighborhood, a community which is often held hostage by gun violence and gang violence, and uh, that no one was actually killed is it, a miracle. I was really stunned with some of the details of the story. Then... I want to play you some audio because this is the kind of video, John, and I'm sure you've seen it, that you have to see because it's so breathtaking. So I'm going to play you the sound of this and our listeners, and then I'll kind of set this up. Take a listen. Hi. Can I get this spicy chicken burger? What was that? Yeah, so this is a shooting that took place over the weekend at Queen and Augusta. A couple of gals inside a Wendy's restaurant ordering a chicken burger. And outside, a guy had been shot. She doesn't know about this. Inside, that, that sound you hear of the glass is a bullet. And you see it fly through the restaurant window on her phone because she just happened to be ordering with her phone rolling. And you see how close it either comes to her head or the person taking the order from the meal. It's so stunning that these um, stray bullets and the carnage they can cause of how big the problem is. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I do speak about this quite often. Um, and it's very concerning. The public should be concerned. But we really do need to start hammering down on these individuals with these firearms. And they need to understand, if you're firing off a pistol, a legal pistol, in these situations, and you're, ca- you're caught, you'll be going to jail for a long time. And not getting bail. You know, this is obviously a big piece for me as well. My members is the catch and release. You know, we capture yeah. these uh, individuals with loaded firearms for them only to be released. You know, and I can tell you, Mike, we've had people sometimes out on two firearms uh, bails, which to me is... Yeah, no, it's it's not. And, and look, John Tory was asked, are you going to bring back Harding? Nope, not going to do that. Hasn't been asked by it. No one in the police wants it. And, you know, he just keeps hammering on this. Well, we're going to get longer sentences and bail reforms. Again, eight years you've had to do this. Um, and if it ha- hasn't happened with any of the spate, like we've had police officers assassinated. We've had um, five officers die in, in, a, in six weeks. We've got bullets going into busy restaurants. I mean, it's just not stopping. And it just doesn't seem like anyone in charge actually gets it or they don't care. I can't figure out what it is. Yeah, so I think we really do need a change from the top, um, you know, to be driven down by the, by the federal government right now. Well, let and me stop you there because Bill Blair was the chief of police in Toronto. He knows what the situation is. I mean, I, certainly a guy like that should know, you'd think. Yeah, so, so I, I believe uh, Minister Blair obviously is uh, well up to speed on the issues with firearms. He's been around in Toronto for a long, long time. Uh, but I think that government as a whole has to start driving forward and making some real relative change that's going to be impactful in the future. 
you know, there's, there's that issue too, but there's also looking back, you have to look upstream as well from these instances. We need to obviously drive more uh, funding and support into these communities to support the communities, to try and push yeah. people away from this kind of lifestyle. Well, I hear from them. I mean, how many mothers of dead young men killed um, because they were either a bystander or something or caught in a hail of bullets um, or wandering through these neighborhoods? They feel completely abandoned. They don't understand why no one's listening. Uh, so they feel pretty insulted by this. You've got community activists who've been begging city officials. They've got comprehensive plans, to your point, not just about bail reforms or sentencing, but programs, mentorship programs. And again, these are investments, John, that needed to be made years ago and that we haven't even done it now worries me as to how long and how far back we are yeah and i think to your point you know there's been a lot of talk now's the time for action and we need some sustained investment uh you know some commitment to some investment to try and do something now i appreciate eight years have gone by um but now is the time uh to move things forward and try and put some kind of uh you know support in there for the communities and I realize it's not going to stop these issues right now, but if we can stop the next generation of gunmen sure. uh, moving forward, that's where we have to start. That's pretty frustrating after the sum of the gun and you think of all the announcements that were made and what they were going to do and the promises that were not kept, how far ahead maybe we'd be now. I, I, like It's just we squandered such an opportunity. And I think a lot of people, John, just feel like it's too late. Well, I, I would disagree with that. Um, you know, It's never too late. Now is the time. If we can't, we can't yeah. do it yesterday, start today. And I think now with the right support from the government, uh, I can tell you our men and women, they're here. They're ready to work, do the right thing, do whatever the communities need. But they do need the community support. And one thing which I, I've really kind of hammered on the last little while is that we need the uh, silent majority of the public to put their mm -hmm. hand up and take notice and tell their politicians, listen, we are tired of this. We don't want to live with the concern of a stray round hitting me when I'm in a, a store getting a burger. Because that is, yeah. we should not stand for that, especially here in Toronto. No, and it does happen. Um, and to our listeners, the video I'm talking about, we'll put it up, I guess, on our web. It is staggering when you just see everyday activities, uh, you know, a bullet and how close it came to ending someone's life in that restaurant. It's pretty staggering. John, we will talk again. We'll see where the conversation takes us. Always appreciate your time. Alex, thank you very much. John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. We have a weekly chat here on the show on Thursdays, and we will keep talking about it until someone starts to listen.